Thank you to 12th Street Sound for sponsoring today's episode. If you're an artist and you want your next recordings to stand up to the best of the best, you need to learn more about 12th Street Sound, a recording studio in my home city, New Westminster, BC. 12th Street provides the value and bang for your buck that you can only get from a boutique studio. That's why I keep choosing Anthony Senarini at 12th Street Sound as my recording and mix engineer for my own music, released as William Chernoff. Anthony and the team are collectors and restoration specialists obsessed with music and recording equipment. When I go into the studio, I get more than just great service. I get the space to craft my story as an artist. You deserve the same as you work on your new music for 2022. Whether you need pre-production, tracking, mixing, or full production services, check out 12th Street Sound today and tell Anthony about your next project. Learn more at 12thstreet.ca. That's 12thst.ca. The final vamp in that song, from the vamp out to the end, it's just like, I feel so kind of influenced by this song by Lewis Cole called Thinking. I don't know if you know that song. I've been thinking about you. It's a little higher than that. Hello and welcome, everybody. My name is Will Chernoff, and you're listening to the Rhythm Changes podcast, a home for creative, improvising, local music people. With Rhythm Changes, we're striving to make the best possible interview show about a music scene. So if you're joining us for the first time, whether from Vancouver, BC, elsewhere in Canada, or across the world, get involved today with a visit to our website, rhythmchanges.ca. Our guest today released his fourth album, Together, on January 13th, 2022. He's a keyboardist and producer for many, a solo artist under his own name, and a friend to me for 10 years now. You can find him on Instagram at Johnny Boy Tobin and shop his new line of apparel at johnnytobinmerch.com. So please welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast, Johnny Tobin. Thanks for having me, man. It's great to be here. How you doing? Doing pretty well. Yeah. Feels great. Loving this tea, vibes, cozy studio, and yeah. Starting the year off right? Yeah. Yeah, it feels good to be dropping an album right into the year. You know, it's a great way to kick it off, so. Yeah. I think about that, about like which times are the best to release music, and January and February always stands out to me as like one of the best times to do it. Yeah, I think it's just, it's kind of this feeling of newness, and people are all kind of wanting to get into something new, and yeah, for me, it was kind of a nice release because uh, I had been sitting on these tracks since 2020. Now I'm kind of ready to release it into the world. So it's nice. Yeah, I think I want to start off by talking about two things, this duality. I want to talk about what you've done recently, and I want to talk about what I didn't do, literally. Because <laughs> the song, yeah. That is one of the tracks. It's the first track yeah. on Together, in fact. I'm tied into it somehow, and that'll be fun to explore. But before we go there, what did you do on New Year's Eve 2021-22 a couple weeks ago? Because you actually had two gigs that night that still went ahead, right? Yeah, so originally I had one gig. It was going to be with this corporate cover band at uh, this members-only club. Wasn't going to happen because of the restrictions. Then the day before, so New Year's Eve Eve, (laughs) got a message saying, oh, it's still on, but it's just a duo. The timing shifted, so it was just like a shorter gig, a couple hours. And then I ended up picking up a second gig 
same day at this hotel that I do gigs at, have done gigs at during COVID. And that was just super last minute too. They're like, hey, do you want to come in tomorrow night? Whatever amount of time you can do, we'd love to have you, you know, just to play some music in here. I was like, yeah, I think I can make that work. So uh, it was the Rosewood Hotel, Georgia. And then down the road was the Vancouver Club. So the gigs were three minutes away from each other. Just boom, boom. Did the two gigs, wrapped up around 12.30 a.m. Definitely feel fortunate to have had those gigs. Not Even just one gig would have been amazing because uh, barely anyone had gigs this year on New Year's. So, yeah, it's just a privilege and a joy to share music with people. So Yeah, every gig I've got the chance to go to in the fall of 2021 was a privilege. And at this particular time, I'm really missing that a lot for sure. And I can't wait to hit it hard again like I did for the last several months. Yeah, I didn't get the chance to hear you at any of these hotel gigs, but I have heard that you sing at these gigs and I have not got the chance to hear that yet. I'm excited for when I do. So what is that like? I've heard on your Instagram little clips of you singing. What kind of material do you do and how is that going? You're not going to hear any singing today on the podcast. But, um, <laughs> basically, uh, a friend of mine who is a booking agent, he was like, hey, I'm starting this thing up at this hotel. I had played at the hotel lots in the past, kind of on and off. They would kind of have music for a bit, then they'd stop kind of changing directions a lot of the time, different management. But my friend brought me in for a showcase. And he's like, I want you to do beats and keys and loops. I was like, okay, great. The day was coming up closer and closer. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I should do more than just that. Like in my head, I was thinking, maybe I should throw in some singing. Uh, I don't really sing that much. I just was like, I'll throw in some singing just to show more range. And the hotel ended up really liking it at the showcase. Originally, I was just booked for one day. I went in. I did a like three hours worth of songs with singing and stuff. And then they're like, hey, can you come back tomorrow? And then I was like, great, nice. I'm down. Tomorrow came, did the thing. They're like, you know what? Like, come back next week. And then next week came and they're like, you know what? Uh, come back for the next three, four weeks. And then I ended up doing between one and three nights a week at the hotel all summer from June till December. And yeah, just kind of a mix of funk, top 40 R&B stuff, but all of it is kind of put through my worldview of production lens, like live looping and live beats. So, you know, I might be covering a Prince song or Shaka Khan or an Ed Sheeran song, but it's all through like the Johnny Tobin style. It's really a nice chance just for me to be me. Nice. In a second, I really want to get to how the heck my voice ended up on the first track of your album, What I Didn't Do. Yeah. But... <laughs> Now that you've brought up this whole thing about being you and your production style, I think anybody who's checked out your music would agree that you do have a really identifiable sound and you have been moving through that for 10 plus years, evolving into the sound that you have today and that you're showing off on your new album together. But I mean, I know your background pretty well because we've been friends for a minute. Mm -hmm. So I would love to just walk through it a little bit. You started... Mm -hmm playing keys you showed up at capilano university as a jazz piano player you evolved into a producer a beat maker and keyboard player in many genres by working a lot of different gigs with a lot of people and ultimately starting to put out your own solo work in 2019 so yeah. can you walk through what that has looked like from bird's eye view of how you ended up being you with this sound yeah totally well that's a pretty good summary of of all of that for sure i got into music 
from a pretty young age. I was playing piano when I was three. I wasn't going to pursue music as a career. When I was in, uh, I think, grade eight, we had to choose between art and band. And I actually chose art originally. There just wasn't enough openings in the class. So they're like, sorry, you have to do band. And so I picked up the trombone. Piano wasn't an option in band. So I learned trombone. I do play trombone. That's a fun fact. Don't really play it that much now, but I played it all through high school and a bit in college. My mom introduced me to classical music and gospel. And I remember she brought home like a Duke Ellington CD when I was growing up. Herbie Hancock, Headhunters, Thelonious Monk, and Coltrane at Carnegie Hall. And I think those three albums really shaped my sound and identity. Went to jazz school. I was really into the idea of being a jazz musician, quote unquote, whatever that means. <laughs> Prior to going to jazz school, I discovered, you know, the whole Soulquarians movement, which is like the roots, D'Angelo, Erica Badu. And it was kind of a collective where they shared a lot of the same players, producers, and they all just kind of played on each other's records. So there's this distinct sound. It's out of Philadelphia. Jill Scott as well. All those kind of artists. And that showed me what jazz influenced music paired with more modern groove-based stuff could look like. It's really just this continuum. One thing isn't better than the other. It's just these are different things we're pulling from. And for me, I guess after that, as I was getting towards the end of university, I was getting into production and stuff. It wasn't until a couple years after that, like I was out of school a couple years, I think just learning hundreds and hundreds of songs across the board from all different types of music. I think it's a great way to get better at music overall and gain your own sound and sensibilities. Like if you can really synthesize all that together into something, I've just tried to navigate all that. And I remember I started posting videos on Instagram just of me playing along with stuff. And then I started making beats and soloing over top of them. Someone on there was like, hey, do you have any music online? Like, where can I find you? And I, I was like, oh, I don't have anything. Maybe I should make something. So that kind of sparked it. I think it was around 2018. So I started doing my own thing. And I had played on a lot of people's records, but never had thought of what I would do for my own thing. So yeah, I um, have now four albums out. Three of them are just fully me, fully self-produced, mixed. One of them's kind of a collaborative project. It's called Weekends with um, another producer named Astrological, a.k.a. Nate Drobner. But yeah, it's been nice creating things, translating ideas from my head into a computer and then out to people's ears. Yeah. Okay, let's get into the album. Track one, What I Didn't Do. This is a great demonstration yeah. <laughs> of your sound, of the genre that you're in, whatever that might be. But it includes two things that are of interest to me, selfishly, because... <laughs> One is a sample of a bonus track I once made called Reliable Friend, and the other is a sample of my voice from a YouTube video that I made in the past that is now unlisted. So right. neither of those things is out there for public <laughs> consumption right now until they appeared yeah. on your album. So how did you decide to do this? I just want to say I really appreciate you know your thoughts about music and your just the way that you blend super detailed and professional writing with very personal type of stuff too. It reminds me of, the, I think it was on Francis Henson's 
episode about it was like something about slick but yes uh, he was contrasting the earnest with the earnest slick. with the slick and i think you do a great job of that as oh, well thanks. so um i applaud you so the talking part in that song was taken from a video where you were kind of talking about your journey and mental health and stuff and i think it just really resonated with me i saw it in 2020 because that's when i made the song yeah i think like so many of us were going through a lot of stuff during 2020, 2021, kind of just wanted to start the album off with that, this idea of like, what did we miss out on? What are things we didn't do? And trying not to live with regrets because there's probably a lot of that during these times, trying to be more hopeful and not think about things that could go wrong, but things that could go right in our life. Because I used your dialogue, I also was like, hmm, it'd be kind of interesting if I sampled one of his songs and it was pretty sparse, right? It's just Rhodes played by Thad Bailey Mike. That's right, yes. So I kind of chopped it up and I found some pieces that would loop well. So the beginning part is kind of like... <laughs> but he had this one little piece that was like that. So I used that for the main section. And then there's a short little bridge with some kind of parallel minor chords. It's like... Yeah. yeah. Um, I think they moved up in minor thirds or something and... And yeah, that song just kind of kicks off the album with um, a bit of a statement, I think thoughts that many of us probably echo. So yeah. when when you told me that you were going to do that in advance, when you were kind of getting my permission, and I should say that I am not credited in any way on this song, so I'm not making money off it. I just want you to go listen to it because it's Johnny's and because I like it. If it blows, if it makes a million dollars, I'll give, I'll give Will like... 100k just get or me more. a space to do this podcast that's a little <laughs> bit bigger and we'll call it even okay <laughs> but yeah i was i was excited but when i heard it man it hit hard and i just mm. i'm so grateful that you kicked off your album with that because that oh. is how i want to kick off this year mm. is that message it's really important to me so thank you for doing that oh well, thank you for letting me. I know it's to say, hey, like, I'm okay with you using this. And, you know, it's a very personal thought you're putting out there. So thank you for letting me do that. Well, maybe we can do bookends because we're starting to get into some of the heavier stuff. And there's definitely a lot of music stuff I want to hit too. But maybe now I can jump to the end and your last track, Leonidas, because mm-hmm. you dedicated that one to a person. Talk about that. Yeah, so the album really, like, I mean, it's an instrumental album, but the first track and the last track are these bookends with people talking a little bit. And um, Leonidas Edwards, I don't think anyone listening would know who he is. He keeps a very low profile. He was someone that I noticed on Instagram, and he was always commenting and reposting my videos on his page, and he just had excellent taste not not because he's posting my stuff but i just noticed like (laughs) he would post my stuff and then i go to his page and he's like posting so many great you know gospel musicians and fusion musicians that i had never heard of like i discovered a lot of cool stuff through seeing stuff he posted and he posted some funny memes as well and then i noticed he also was a creator and he was super prolific every couple months he would drop like these little mixtapes he was a master of sampling, you know, he could take completely disparate things and blend them together. We actually worked on some music together as well. And he unfortunately passed away in 2021. Very suddenly, I went to his page and I saw all these um, people commenting like, oh man, miss you brother, like rest in peace. And he had a prior heart condition and he had an artificial valve in his heart. And, uh, 
that just failed one day. He was pretty young. He was, I think, early 40s, mid 40s. Just was one of those interesting things in this modern age where you have a close connection with someone that you've never actually met in person. And he was that for me and exchanged a lot of voice messages on Instagram. And so on the song, you can hear some of his final messages to me. And uh, yeah, just every single thing, every time he reached out, even just a casual hello, you could just feel so much warmth from him. It just felt like a gigantic hug every time that man spoke. So um, yeah, he'll be dearly missed. I just really wanted to honor him and also kind of immortalize him a little bit by putting him into this song so that people will know his name, people will know his story, hearing it here and in the write-up about the album. I just want to carry that torch. Wow, that's really special. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm glad that we get to share what he did with more people. Yeah. Yeah. Man, getting yeah. the heavy stuff yeah. out of the way. <laughs> know, right? That's good. <laughs> yeah. All right. So looking at the rest of the music on your album, if you look at it all and you listen to it all and any of your albums so far, really, nobody would miss the fact that you have a jazz background because you have keyboard solos all over the place on yep. these tracks and you use a lot of jazz in your keyboard soloing, but you mix it in with a whole bunch of different synth sounds to add variety and stuff. So that makes me curious about how you decide how much jazz to put into <laughs> each track because I bet you think about that and maybe you worry about doing too much. Yep. I actually don't know. I'll, I'll leave it up to you. What do you think about that? I try to just ride that line. When I include the more jazz-influenced stuff, I'm very conscientious of it. Like the song Lilacs and Lavender, that chord progression in that song is very influenced by like a great American songbook type jazz standard. Yeah. With some twists, but you know, it's pretty straightforward. So that song specifically was like, you know what? This is kind of a nice, simple type of progression. And then there's other ones that are more obtuse. I generally try to create different chord progressions every time I make something, create things in such a way that it's something I've never done before. I like to think every single song I have, you know, there's ne you never hear the same chord progression twice unless I intend for that to be the case. Yeah. So. There was one little thing that I pulled out of my memory banks and it's on the track Vivid Dreams, very four on the floor driven kind of dancey track. You used a keyboard sound that has a very kind of rear part in the arrangement. It's pretty in the back, but it's this kind of background shots thing that you've got going on. And it is very similar to the sound that you used on the kind of opening notes of your first track from your first album, Sunrise. Yeah, it's like a little like, like it's like a twinkly sound, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's actually, I... <laughs> That's a sound I created and I really like that sound. I just have that sound individually like as a wave file sitting on my computer and I will stick that into different things. I've made songs for other artists and put that well, in. If I manage to pick that one up, I'm sure there's other ones that other people who have more attentive ears for this sort of thing will notice. But, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to say that. <laughs> Beachside Thoughts is the longest track on the album. It might be the longest track in your whole discography. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, it's 40 minutes long. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you've got some wah-wah solos on that, and you've got some cool sounds that you worked into that. But on that one, I was thinking about how you have all these pads in the background. 
sometimes I feel like I can hear the order of how you build up the different parts in your song. Like, you know how you kind of drop in a new melody after you're already one or two minutes into the track and it's kind of like a big top line synth, very prominent and it's like a simple melody yeah and it's a new melody for that track i feel like you drop those in kind of towards the end of the production because they just kind of sit on top of what's already there you know but what about when you're doing those kind of pads to pad out a track like beat side thoughts how do you build up like the foundational part of the arrangement Hmm. if you listen to those chords i think that the first time around in the progression of the second time around it's like this similar chords, but just with a different bass note underneath. I use things like that to bring variation, but also to create the illusion of it being repeating and simple, but it's actually changing every time. But yeah, I came up with those chords. And then what I do is generally like once I have that, I just stack as many layers as possible and just keep adding and adding and adding. And then once I have all that, then I sort of arrange later. There might already be melodies that kind of have arisen or I'll come up with them later. But with this album specifically, I was really trying to have melodies that were catchy and singable. So I think almost every song has that. Yeah. So why did you say that Neon Afterglow is one of the favorite tracks that you've ever made? I really want to go to Japan. (laughs) And I'm I'm a big gamer. I constantly watch travel videos of Japan and (laughs) and just the, the different... The, like the the neon lights in the city and like the streets and the architecture and everything and to me that song I'm kind of channeling that desire to just get up and go and like you know driving through a city at night oh and, and I totally feel it that yeah. kind of vibe so to me I that's what I like and like the final vamp in that song from the vamp out to the end it's just like I feel so is that the one that's like dun, 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 dun. yeah and oh i love it and that chord progression was kind of influenced by this song by lewis cole called thinking i don't know if you know i do know that one yeah i've been thinking about you Uh, it's a little higher you said you weren't gonna say i did i did (laughs) (laughs) i've been thinking about you um but that progression you know it's kind of it's like e minory e flat minory mostly but then it briefly slips in like c minor and f minor so my song also does that. I really love that song and I love the vibes of that. So I mm. kind of stole, I didn't steal the exact chords, but you know, little snippets of it. Yeah. Um, Amethyst has a cool thing. We're talking about breakdowns or outros or grooves that take you out of the song. That one I found particularly cool because you have such a break in that track. It feels like to me, you start it as this kind of relaxed hip hop track, but the end of the track is this totally different breakdown that is super off the beat and it has so many kind of cool rhythms and stuff. Yeah, I notice people aren't talking about that track as much when I've sent the album out or when they've talked about listening to it. But yeah, I'm happy with how that one turned out and I think I just try in every song I create to have some little twist where or it goes somewhere unexpected just so that it kind of keeps you listening and it keeps you it keeps it memorable too because it's like, oh, like... 
it did this thing and it swerves, you know? I think that is the most memorable moment for me on the whole album. Oh, wow. and, I mean, I have heard the tracks that were previously released, like on the Isolation EP and so on in 2021. But yeah, as far as the new tracks or maybe even overall, if I'm listening through the mm. album today, that's one of my favorite moments. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah, it's <laughs> the interesting thing with making music by yourself too is my process at least, I just kind of like hunker down and spend hours working on stuff and then it's just comes out as this fully formed thing and i often don't remember what i did or what i was even thinking when i made it or how i came to the conclusion to do certain things so i don't remember it just was uh something just came over me <laughs> oh yeah well then i think back and i know that one of the big breaks for you as a solo artist strictly on your own music is when you got on this jazz tronica playlist for your track obi from your second album earth signs and so just briefly i was curious like if you think back to then like what was that like for you when that happened where were you at and how'd you respond to that awesome bit of news yeah so i actually remember the exact moment where i literally was when i found the news out i was at coquitlam center mall and i was about to step on the stage with this local pop star but she's rising in fame named uh, victoria anthony complete juxtaposition but um i was just super stoked when i saw it and i was shocked because i didn't submit that song for playlisting i didn't promote that song i didn't promote that album i just kind of put the album out i submitted a different song for playlisting and it didn't get picked to me that song obi is very just kind of quirky and i mean there it starts off with some catchy melodies but after the melodies it's just soloing the whole time there's a lot of jazz in yeah, that one i liked how it sounded but it's so obscure in a way to me so I was just shocked that it got that many plays. And to this day, it has more plays than anything I've released, even with artists, you know, from like the US and stuff that I've collabed with. Like it has more than that. So it's just a testament to going with your gut with a song and, you know, just creating. Because I enjoy everything I've made. I still go back and listen to stuff that I've made two years ago and I like it. I think it's important to do that and not just be obsessed with chasing a trend or making something you think someone else will like. Yeah. You know, if you like what you're doing and you take joy in what you're doing, someone else will too. Yeah. I guess the last track that stands out for me that I'm going to draw attention to here is Take Your Time. I know that that one comes from a remix contest that you did or an Instagram remix challenge or something like that during summer 2020. So talk about how that one happened. 2020 in general, I think for me... There were so many social media challenges going around from musicians and producers. And normally I don't try to jump on that many, but I definitely jumped on a bunch in 2020. I think like so many of us, we were all just kind of at home and I viewed it as a way to grow my reach a little bit, maybe connect with some new people. And uh, someone actually tagged me in this one that Masego was doing. Yeah, he has this song called um, Veg Out wanted people to do a contest to remix it or play along with it or whatever. So I did my thing with it. And um, the original is kind of just this, I would call it chill lo-fi trap beat, I guess. And I chose to take it a totally different direction. And this kind of fusion West Coast G-Funk vibes. Masego saw the thing. He like posted a video of himself reacting to it. I still have the video. It's super memorable. I didn't win the contest, but just even having that video was awesome. Yeah, the G-Funk thing, 
the other track I find that's like that is Crystal Clouds. Would yeah. that be accurate? That one has like yeah. the high synths and the gooey yeah. bass. Kind yeah. Of thing. That's what this is, right? And one thing earlier today when you were talking about a thing you noticed that was carried over from another track, I thought for sure you were going to talk about Crystal Clouds because the chord progression of Crystal Clouds is the same chords as the outro to um, Neon Afterglow. Oh, okay. So if you go back and listen, it's it's in a different key. Oh yeah, but um, it's the same movement. So cool, little Easter egg. I did not think about that. Okay. I'll have to go and get that on the next listen through. Yeah, yeah. Well, this has been so much fun. I am so glad that I got the chance to catch up with you just as you're dropping this project. Yeah, JohnnyTovenMerch.com. You have this merch available. I'd love to just close by hearing a bit about what it's been like for you to set that up. And then also, I know you have a lot of music in the can. So like, yep. you could talk about how much music you've accumulated and what you might intend to do to release it sure. this year in 2022. Yeah, so for the merch, I just, during the holidays, I actually, a friend of mine was like, hey, shout out to my friends for suggesting awesome things. That's how I released music to begin with. And that's how I released merch. This friend of mine was like, hey, your song Lilacs and Lavender is doing really well. You know, you should put out some merch to celebrate. So that's exactly what I did. And I spent quite a while designing and picking out colors and all that. So yeah, I have the merch out. You could have a full outfit, including pants and socks and even a mask. And I'm going to be dropping more throughout the year, just like different seasons and, you know, maybe some brighter colors in the summer with some different designs. And then as far as plans for this year and beyond, have another full album, not done, but it's getting there. It's departure from what I'm doing now. And it's going to be another project with a bunch of vocals on it. I might sing a little bit. Oh. There's some different artists as well featured throughout and it's going to be all 80s vibes. I want to emulate the feeling of like a house party, an underground house party if you were in 1985. So that's what that's going to be. And I... Throughout COVID, I've accumulated probably 50 or 60 other miscellaneous tracks. So I'll be dropping some different singles. I have two uh, video game albums uh, dropping at some point as well. But that's all I can say for now. It's probably going to come out in a year or two. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a lot of stuff that yeah. you just listed. <laughs> yeah. and I'm excited to hear it all. Yeah. Man. Thanks for doing everything that you do. I love what you do. Oh. Thanks for chatting with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. If you haven't followed the show yet, make sure you do and tell your friends who might enjoy listening too. Link them to our website, rhythmchanges.ca, Facebook at Chernoff Music, or Instagram and Twitter at Rhythm Changes BC. The Rhythm Changes podcast is a Chernoff Music production. See show notes for full production credits. Copyright 2022 Chernoff Music.